What a difference a year makes. I mean, in so many different levels. But think about the oil and gas business. I mean, about a year ago, oil was negative. You had to pay somebody to take it off your hands. Now it's hitting $70, the highest level in you know, over two years. Natural gas prices are, are zooming higher. But oil and gas isn't always exactly where it needs to be. The end users or the refiners or whatever, that's where midstream companies come along. And Barry Davis created a big one here a few years ago, merged Crosstex and his Crosstex and Devon's midstream and created InLink midstream, and he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, David. It's good to be with you today. So so would it be trite for me to say, is it better now than it was a year ago? Oh, goodness. Uh, I tell you, we, we we think we've seen a lot in our lifetime, David, but I don't think we've seen anything like what we've seen in the last 16 months. It's been quite a roller coaster, but uh, I like where we are today much better than where we were this time last year. Well, so tell me what's going on right now. Is, is I mean, we got these, these high prices and everything else. Has, has supply and demand equaled out, or did we lose a bunch of players over the last 14 months, and you've got more concentration now? What's going on? Yeah, so David, I think actually what we thought was going to happen uh, has actually happened, and that is we've seen a return uh, and to, of demand, and uh, supply has stayed basically stable over the last year. So we have reached a supply-demand balance today, and so we're in a very good place. I think the forecast is uh, is something that we've really got to watch because I think we could see uh, a real tightening of supply. Uh, just because we're going to continue to see demand grow as we move into the second half of 21. We did see some players disappear along the way. And we did, we have seen some consolidation, I guess. But just a lot of, it seems like a lot of smaller ones just disappeared. Yeah, probably not enough to move the needle. Uh, what we've uh-huh. really seen, David, I'd say are a number of things that have caused supply to stabilize, but probably none more important than what we the way we've seen producers respond to shareholders demand that we drive cash flow out of this business and stop over investing in the growth of the supply side. And so I think producers have really gotten the message and have really adjusted the way they they think about uh, the growth of supply. And so even as we've seen gas prices or uh, oil prices increase by 40% since the beginning of the year, we're not seeing capital plans change. We're seeing the large and public uh, exploration companies basically stay with the same capital plan they had at $45, even though now we see $70 as we look forward into the, into the future. You, know, you mentioned shareholders. I, this has been a remarkable period with, with what Exxon went through. They've got three dissident directors that had to be seated. Nobody thought that was possible. Chevron's been going through this. It was a judge, I guess, in the Netherlands that told Royal Dutch Shell, they needed to double um, uh, double what they were planning on doing uh, to, to help out the, the, the environment. Um, this is a tough period right now for your industry. It is, David, but, you know, I think it's good things are happening. Uh, we use the word, the word in the industry that we talk about is energy transition. That is transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to something different, something renewable uh, and perceived to be cleaner. So uh, we're in the midst of that right now, and I think we are all responding in a very positive way. Just last week, we announced, or or a few weeks ago, we announced that we're going to reduce the emissions that are associated with our business by 30% by 2030, and we're going to get to net zero uh, emissions by 2050. 
And so there were one of many companies, I think everybody is working on trying to do a better job of the impact that we have on the environment, even though it's not clear exactly uh, whether we're having a negative impact on the environment, we're going to take it as if we are, and we're going to do things that clean up this industry, which I think will give us, uh, you know, many, many decades to continue to do what we do. And so uh, it's a very important time, and I think we all have to respond in a real positive way. Well, you you run the highways that move all this stuff around, natural gas and crude and condensate, and I guess natural gas liquids. Um, do you ha- is there enough capacity out there right now to to meet this demand that's come along on, on your yeah, part? So, yeah, it, so if you think of it as the highway, uh, is there enough room on the highway to get product from where it is produced? And, and let's just take, for example, the Permian to all the places that it's consumed in the metropolitan area of Dallas or any other place. And the answer is yes, we are in good shape from a capacity standpoint. Uh, we saw a lot of projects get done, a lot of new capacity added to our infrastructure over the last decade. And so I think we're in a really good place. Uh, and thankfully, we are, because if, if we were trying to do major uh, transportation infrastructure builds today with some of the regulatory challenges that we've seen, it would be much more difficult than we've seen in the last decade. You know, I, I think about the they finally, after, you know, this dragged on for years and years and years, the owners of the Keystone XL uh, crude pipeline, this 1,200-mile potential pipeline from Canada down into Texas, uh, they, they pull the plug and they're not going not gonna to build it. And I don't know, does that, I mean, was that necessary for us or was that necessary for the producers in Canada to move their, move their product out here? Yeah, I think it was more the latter, David. I mean, I think the project really had a lot of support and made a lot of sense when it was proposed, but that's been, you know, a decade ago, and a lot of things have changed. Um, So what we've done is we found supply that will replace that, and I'd say domestic supply, most of it coming from the Permian or the Eagleford uh, or the Haynesville, you know, in our cases right here in our geographic area. So uh, I think time just kind of passed it by. It was a project that made sense back then, uh, but after many regulatory holdups, uh, it doesn't make sense today. And so, rightfully, the sponsors killed it. Well, and that was really expensive oil up there, too. I mean, they, that's not drilling. That's sort of mining for crude the way they have to do it. That, you gotta have, don't you have to have something even more than $70 a barrel oil to make that justifiable? Oh. Well, certainly the economics became part of it, yeah. and uh, and you're right. The heavy oil that comes out of Canada is much more expensive to produce. Uh, but look, I mean, I think we have plenty of it. Uh, we're not we're not uh, developing what we have today. And I think if we continue to see prices strengthen, uh, you could see right here in the areas that really matter to us um, in the Permian and in other places in the South. Uh, I think we can really see some good production development happen uh, that'll be good for us as in link. I mean, that's the areas in which we operate. So Tim, going forward, look at looking out, I mean, for your children or your grandchildren, uh, are they going to have job security in the oil and gas business? I mean, is this going to be taken over by renewables and, and, and squeezing out the oil and gas industry as we know now? Yeah, I, I would say, look, the energy transition is something that is real, and people are going to try to find different ways to fuel the economies of in, in the world that we live in, uh, but we don't have a clear answer for that. And so I believe fossil fuels will be here for many decades to come. Uh, in fact, I, I will say that for several decades, I don't think you will see a significant impact to the demand for fossil fuels. That's just what we need to do. 
uh, we're going to extend that by what we do to make ourselves more sustainable, more efficient, and, and cleaner uh, form of energy. And so we announced last week, for example, uh, that we formed a new team called the Cap Carbon Capture uh, and Solutions. And uh, we have projects right now where we're going to take carbon that is generally CO2 that is generally emitted into the air, and we're going to capture it at its source in an industrial production site. We're going to put it into our pipelines, and we're going to sequester it basically by putting it into the ground where it will stay forever. And uh, that's going to become a very big business. It has to be a big business in order for us to reach the objectives that we as an industry have uh, over the next 20 or 30 years. Well, as we were saying earlier, just a remarkable year, 14 months, and, and a remarkable turnaround, too. Barry Davis is chairman and chief executive officer of InLink Midstream. We always enjoy our conversations. Look for, I look forward to finding an excuse to, to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, David. Glad to be with you. Thanks for Barbara. Conversation uh, with Mr. Davis. Please go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.